Chapter 8 of An Intimate View of Robert G. Ingersoll by Isaac Newton Baker. Recorded by Michelle Fry, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 8 On Eternal Punishment. We come now to a statement, feebly inadequate, of Mr. Ingersoll's position on this question it was to him the culminating point of all his objectives it mattered little to him comparatively what people believed on abstruse and disputed questions of theology science or philosophy but on the vital question of the destiny of the human soul he stood firm as a rock here he would admit no compromise make no concession in this he was no longer an agnostic he knew everlasting punishment of the unrepenting sinner of the wicked of anybody was to his mind and heart an unspeakable horror of frightful insanity this doctrine it was that first opened his eyes to the falseness of christian theology and separated him forever from all confidence in and sympathy with its teachings and made him one of its most implacable foes this dogma he despised and execrated he denounced it as a quote, doctrine the infamy of which no language is sufficient to express end quote. he said that quote, while the old testament threatens men women and children with disease famine war pestilence and death there are no threatenings of punishment beyond this life the doctrine of eternal punishment is a dogma of the new testament this doctrine the most cruel the most infamous is taught if taught at all in the bible in the new testament one cannot imagine what the human heart has suffered by reason of the frightful doctrine of eternal damnation it is a doctrine so abhorrent to every drop of my blood so infinitely cruel that it is impossible for me to respect either the head or heart of any human being who teaches or fears it this doctrine necessarily subverts all ideas of justice to inflict infinite punishment for finite crimes or rather for crimes committed by finite beings is a proposition so monstrous that i am astonished it ever found lodgment in the brain of man whoever says that we can be happy in heaven while those we loved on earth are suffering infinite torments in eternal fire defames and calumniates the human heart End quote and who can doubt that among the foremost factors in chasing this black shadow from the earth has been the gentle loving brave and fearless ingersoll true consolation his teachings were a consolation to many a sorrowing heart many a heavy burden has by them been lifted from timid and troubled souls in san francisco his cousin mrs sarah b cooper the philanthropist brought to his attention the case of a devoutly pious friend a widow whose only boy had been suddenly taken from her side he was a good-looking and loving son the idol of her heart the pride and prop of her life but he was not a christian and she feared for his eternal fate felt that heaven would be no heaven to her without her boy her grief was inconsolable the consolations of the gospel failed to satisfy her heart or dispel her fears the visits of her pastor brought no comfort left behind no peace christian friends came in vain to her relief 
appealed to by his cousin colonel ingersoll wrote a letter to this sorrowing heart he urged her not to fear saying quote, mrs cooper has told me the sad story of your almost infinite sorrow i am not foolish enough to suppose that i can say or do anything to lessen your great grief your anguish for his loss but maybe i can say something to drive from your poor heart the fiend of fear fear for him if there is a god let us believe that he is good and if he is good the good have nothing to fear i have been told that your son was kind and generous that he was filled with charity and sympathy now we know that in this world like begets like kindness produces kindness and all goodness bears the fruit of joy belief is nothing deeds are everything and if your son was kind he will naturally find kindness wherever he may be you would not inflict endless pain upon your worst enemy is god less merciful than you you could not bear to see a viper suffer forever is it possible that god would doom a kind and generous boy to everlasting pain nothing can be more monstrously absurd and cruel the truth is that no human being knows anything of what is beyond the grave if nothing is known then it is not honest for anyone to pretend that he does know if nothing is known then we can hope only for the good if there be a god your boy is no more in his power now than he was before his death no more than you are at the present moment why should we fear god more after death than before does the feeling of god toward his children change the moment they die while we are alive they say god loves us when will he cease to love us true love never changes i beg of you to throw away all fear take counsel of your own heart if god exists your heart is the best revelation of him and your heart could never send your boy to endless pain after all no one knows the ministers know nothing all the churches in the world know no more on this subject than the ants on the ant hills creeds are good for nothing except to break the hearts of the loving have courage under the seven-hued arch of hope let your boy sleep i do not pretend to know but i do know that others do not know listen to your heart believe what it says and wait with patience and without fear for what the future has for all if we can get no comfort from what people know let us avoid being driven to despair by what they do not know i wish i could say something that would put a star in your night of grief a little flower in your lonely path and if an unbeliever has such a wish surely an infinitely good being never made a soul to be the food of pain through countless years to this letter came the prompt reply quote, dear colonel ingersoll i found your letter enclosed with one from mrs cooper at my door on the way to this hotel to see a friend i broke the seal here and through blinding tears letting it fall from my hands between each sentence to sob my heart out read it the first piece i have known real peace since the terrible blow has come to me now while i will not doubt the existence of a god 
i feel that i can rest my grief-stricken heart on his goodness and mercy and you have helped me to do this why you have helped me to believe in an all-merciful and loving creator who has gathered i will try to believe my poor little boy my kind large-hearted child into his tender and sheltering arms there is a genuine ring in your words that lifts me up your belief so clear and logical so filled with common sense corresponds so far back as i can remember with my own matter-of-fact ideas and i was the child of good and praying parents and my great wondering eyes questioning silently when they talked to me my strange ways while i tried to be good caused them often great anxiety and many a pang god forgive me i am writing while people are talking about me just a line to thank you from the bottom of my heart for the comfort you have given me today you great good man i see the traces of your tears all over your letter and i could clasp your hand and bless you for this comfort you have given my poor heart End quote. <sighs> on special providence Colonel Ingersoll did not believe in a special providence caring for each human soul, answering prayer and extending his almighty arm in rescue of the innocent and helpless and in reward of the faithful and righteous, nor did he believe that this providence ever heard or answered the most horrible prayer ever offered by human lips or written by human hand. David's 109th Imprecatory Psalm A minister called on him once to say, quote, colonel i understand you do not believe in a special providence i do not well i want to prove it to you beyond all question in my own case some years ago i engaged passage on a steamer to go abroad before she sailed i had a fear a presentiment or a feeling call it what you will that something would happen to that steamer i got so worked up over it that i took it up to the lord in earnest prayer as the result i gave up my stateroom colonel that steamer never reached port she went down and every one of her four hundred souls on board sank to a watery grave will you tell me that that was not a divine interposition on my behalf in answer to my prayer is it not proof positive that god cared for me in a special personal way but my dear sir was the colonel's reply what do you suppose the families and friends of the four hundred drowned thought of your special providence do you think that god cared only for your one little soul and forgot to warn all the rest it won't do besides do you feel comfortable at the thought that having such a warning from the lord you did not day and night beseech the captain of that ship to postpone his sailing at least till you could get word from heaven that it was safe to go the minister did not reply now let me tell you my case continued the colonel providence cared for me a little while ago in a striking way though you may not believe it a thunderbolt struck the young men's christian association's building which adjoined my own office in washington and i escaped if that shaft was aimed at me i certainly think your providence was a very poor marksman End quote. On Miracles 
when the subject of miracles was broached he could hardly repress a smile the belief in them seemed to him so hopelessly unworthy of an intelligent thinking mind he could find no warrant in nature or experience for such a belief he held that the belief had its foundation in the ignorance credulity and fear of the superstitious savage that these lowest elements in man should be played upon by designing priests to exhort reverence for their persons and their office and obedience to their authority to say nothing of the revenue extracted from the poor and toiling millions seemed to him a monstrous crime he could not argue the question seriously it was to him altogether outside the pale of rational thought belief in miracles has always been the mother of superstition and he held the church responsible for upholding and perpetuating it believers in miracles he said should not endeavor to explain them there is but one way to explain anything and that is to account for it by natural agencies the moment you explain a miracle it disappears you should depend not upon explanation but upon assertion you should not be driven from the field because the miracle is shown to be unreasonable you should reply that all miracles are unreasonable neither should you be in the least disheartened if it be shown to be impossible the possible is not miraculous you should take the ground that if miracles were reasonable and possible there would be no reward paid for believing them the christian has the goodness to believe while the sinner asks for evidence it is enough for god to work miracles without being called upon to substantiate them for the benefit of unbelievers End quote. the efforts of otherwise intelligent men the so-called or miscalled christian scientists to reconcile the miracles of the old and new testaments with the facts and laws of nature were to mr ingersoll simply amusing we must remember he said that the priests of one religion never credit the miracles of another religion is this because priests instinctively know priests now when a christian tells a buddhist some of the miracles of the old and new testaments the buddhist smiles when the buddhist tells a christian the miracles performed by the buddha the christian laughs End quote continuing he said in substance the truth is that in common belief we call that miraculous which is simply mysterious or wonderful we speak of the miracle of sand and star of life and growth of decay and death but they are only the immutable and uniform operations of the laws of nature to suspend these laws even for a moment would result in confusion wreck and universal doom according to the account general joshua commanded that the sun and moon stop in the heavens in order that general joshua might have more time to murder the shadow on the dial goes back ten degrees to convince a petty king of a barbarous people that he is not going to die of a boil we now know that if these miracles had been wrought the world would have been instantly plunged into the night of chaos and ruin nature's laws are uniform and inexorably persistent in their operation they obey no master suffer no interference like causes always and everywhere produce like effects and no mandate from earth or sky no miracle however attested can change this law 
miracles are simply the product of the unenlightened human imagination stimulated perverted by the mistaken zeal of sincerity or by the designing craft of religious hypocrisy or fanaticism no miracles are wrought today on the sunday question he was equally emphatic he did not believe that that day or any day could be holy or sacred in the theological sense that day was holy to him in which some kind thought was expressed or loving deed done for others how he asked can a space of time be holy you might as well talk of a pious multiplication table a moral triangle or a virtuous vacuum he regarded the day as a good civil institution as a day of rest from unnecessary toil and if sacred for anything to be devoted to individual family and social joys his views on slavery and polygamy on inspiration the trinity the divinity of christ whom he regarded as a good kind and gentle man a reformer and an infidel in his day on the incarnation on the fall of man the atonement the resurrection of the body and other doctrines of orthodox christianity are too generally known to need rehearsal here he rejected them all and in his works has given manifold reasons therefore on nature and man he believed that nature or the universe is all there is that it is the only god in this he was pantheistic yet not professedly a pantheist nor was he a deist he said quote, let us be honest with ourselves in the presence of countless mysteries standing beneath the boundless heaven sown thick with constellations knowing that each grain of sand each leaf each blade of grass asks of every mind the answerless question knowing that the simplest thing defies solution feeling that we deal with the superficial and the relative and that we are forever eluded by the real the absolute let us admit the limitations of our minds and let us have the courage and the candor to say we do not know the agnostic is an atheist the atheist is an agnostic the agnostic says i do not know but i do not believe there is any god the atheist says the same the orthodox christian says he knows there is a god but we know that he does not know he simply believes he cannot know the atheist cannot know that god does not exist as we have seen he was an agnostic he did not know nor pretend nor profess to know he did not personify nature as god nature to him had no moral qualities or attributes neither loved nor hated held no scepter like a king dispensing favors and rewards no power like a judge inflicting penalties and pains he believed that man himself is king and judge victor and victim his own master his own slave that he reaps what he sows gathers his own harvest he held that nature or the elements the universe or god cannot be the person with body parts and passions that man in his ignorance and faith has created man in his vain search for the infinite has simply personified the forces of nature and given them qualities and attributes in accord with his own highest and lowest conceptions nature according to mr ingersoll has no mental moral or physical embodiment of a human type is not an exaggerated or sublimated man to be feared and worshipped it has no appetites 
no wants it cannot therefore be entreated by prayer flattered by praise melted by tears or bribed by offerings and sacrifices he believed that nothing we know can be higher or lower than the natural can be either supernatural or infranatural that there are no gods no angels no devils no heavens no hells Quote, the universe is all there is or was or will be it is both subject and object contemplator and contemplated creator and created destroyer and destroyed preserver and preserved and hath within itself all causes modes motions and effects End quote. he taught that man only could be the providence of man that if man is to be helped man must be the helper that he will look in vain to the mountains or the clouds that he himself must be and make his own heaven as he sadly enough makes his own hell summing up his philosophy of human life he said quote, happiness is the only good the place to be happy is here the time to be happy is now the way to be happy is to make others so End quote. iconoclasm many by way of reproach called him a rude iconoclast shattering the images worshipped by devout souls and setting up no others in their places they cried you take away our idols as you call them and give us nothing in return to these he would say quote, we do not want creeds we do not want idols we want knowledge we want happiness and yet we are told by the church that we have accomplished nothing that we are simply destroyers that we tear down without building again is it nothing to free the mind is it nothing to civilize mankind is it nothing to fill the world with light with discovery with science is it nothing to dignify man and exalt the intellect is it nothing to grope your way into the dreary prisons the damp and dripping dungeons the dark and silent cells of superstition where the souls of men are chained to floors of stone to greet them like a ray of light like the song of a bird the murmur of a stream to see the dull eyes open and grow slowly bright to feel yourself grasped by the shrunken and unused hands to hear yourself thanked by a strange and hollow voice is it nothing to conduct these souls gradually into the blessed light of day to let them see again the happy fields the sweet green earth to hear the everlasting music of the waves is it nothing to make men wipe the dust from their swollen knees the tears from their blanched and furrowed cheeks is it a small thing to reave the heavens of an insatiate monster and write upon the eternal dome glittering with stars the grand word freedom is it a small thing to quench the flames of hell with the holy tears of pity to unbind the martyr from the stake break all the chains put out the fires of civil war stay the sword of the fanatic and tear the bloody hands of the church from the white throat of science is it a small thing to make men truly free to destroy the dogmas of ignorance prejudice and power the poisoned fables of superstition and drive from the beautiful face of the earth the fiend of fear
do not be frightened he urged fear is the dungeon of the soul do not be afraid to doubt your doubts are the smartest things about you the destroyer of weeds and thistles is a benefactor whether he soweth grain or not i cannot for my life see why one would be charged with tearing down and not rebuilding simply because he exposes a sham or detects a lie i do not feel under any obligation to build something in the place of a detected falsehood all i think i am under obligation to put in the place of a detected lie is the detection i have not torn the good down i have only endeavored to trample out the ignorant cruel fires of hell i do not tear away the passage god will be merciful to the merciful i do not destroy the promise if you will forgive others god will forgive you there is no darkness but ignorance no light but intelligence he asserted over and over again on the ruins of ignorance the splendid temple of intelligence must be reared in the place of darkness the light must be made to shine some may ask are you trying to take our religion away to such i answer no superstition is not religion to love justice to long for the right to love mercy to pity the suffering to assist the weak to forget wrongs and remember benefits to love the truth to be sincere to utter honest words to love liberty to wage relentless war against slavery in all its forms to love wife and child and friend to make a happy home to love the beautiful in art in nature to cultivate the mind to be familiar with the mighty thoughts that genius has expressed the noble deeds of all the world to cultivate courage and cheerfulness to make others happy to fill life with the splendor of generous acts the warmth of loving words to discard error to destroy prejudice to receive new truths with gladness to cultivate hope to see the calm beyond the storm the dawn beyond the night to do the best that can be done and then to be resigned this is the religion of reason the creed of science this satisfies the brain and heart End quote. End of chapter 8